Hello, my name is Will, and I am joined here today with attorney Richard Hastings of Hastings, Cohen, and Walsh, LLP, a personal injury lawyer in Ridgefield, Connecticut. The firm has offices throughout the state of Connecticut and serves the areas in and around Danbury, Norwalk, Stamford, Bridgeport, New Haven, Hartford, New Britain, and Waterbury. Richard focuses his practice on personal injury and accident law. He has received numerous awards, including being named one of the 10 best attorneys for Connecticut in client satisfaction by the American Institute of Personal Injury Attorneys. Attorney Hastings has also been named one of the top 100 trial lawyers in Connecticut by the National Trial Lawyers. He is AV rated by Martindale, its highest designation, and has been named to its bar registry of preeminent attorneys. He is a member of the Million Dollar Advocates Forum, a prestigious group of trial lawyers in the United States, in which less than 1% of all lawyers in the country are members. He has been named a Connecticut super lawyer and a New England super lawyer. He has been named to multiple best lawyers and top attorney lists. He has written over 10 books and is a best-selling author. His articles have been published in the Connecticut Law Tribune and New York State Trial Lawyers Magazine. Today, we're going to talk about some specific questions about what to do after being injured in a car accident in Connecticut and how to deal with insurance claims. Welcome, Richard. How are you? Great, Will. Thanks. It's great to be here with you. Richard, as a Connecticut personal injury lawyer, what are the most common injuries you see after a car accident? Can you also elaborate on what each injury is for those that don't know? Certainly. So let's start with the most general of terms as far as different types of injuries that you can receive in a a motor vehicle or car accident. So generally, there are two basic classifications that we see in injuries. One type of injury involves an objective finding. And the other type involves a subjective finding. So one of the easy ways to remember or differentiate one from the other is that an objective finding comes from an object, such as an X-ray, a CAT scan, or an MRI. And a subjective finding comes from the subject or the injured party. So, for example, an injured party who doesn't have something that shows up on an X-ray or a CAT scan will tell the doctor what problems they're experiencing. And those pain complaints are subjective as opposed to looking at an object. So taking those two types of classifications, and as you could well imagine, an objective finding is a much more significant case than a subjective finding. So... When we drill down below that, we find that an injured party could suffer from any one of a number of different types of injuries, a head injury, a neck injury, injuries to the shoulders, a spinal cord injury, which could involve the cervical, thoracic, and lumbar spine, which are the neck, the mid-back, and the low back. People sometimes have chest injuries, injuries to their arm, to their elbow, to their hand, injuries to their pelvis, their legs, or their ankle or feet. Now, these injuries, like I said, can either be objective or subjective. So examples of an objective injury could include broken bones, a herniated disc, or some other type of an injury that a doctor or radiologist can look at an X-ray, a CAT scan, or an MRI and say, here is the injury. 
So examples of subjective injuries are things that could include injuries to the head, muscles, tendons, ligaments, or bruising. And this general category sometimes is called soft tissue injuries. And these cannot be seen on an X-ray, CAT scan, or MRI. So depending upon the type of injury suffered, a person should be seen by different types of doctors. So for example, if they're bone injuries, they want to be seen by an orthopedist. If there are injuries involving your head, if there's numbness, if there's tingling, they want to be seen by a neurologist. Many people see pain management specialists or other specialized doctors, depending upon your medical situation or if you have pre-existing conditions or other conditions such as arthritis or something that's exacerbated or made worse by an accident. Many car accident victims we see will go to an orthopedist. And an orthopedist will then refer the injured party to a physical therapist. And they'll go through a course of physical therapy, which is monitored by the orthopedist. They'll continue to see the orthopedist on an ongoing basis. And they'll continue to treat until they reach what's called maximum medical improvement. How is it determined who is at fault in a car crash? And and who makes that decision? That's a great question. So many times, injured parties will want to know who's at fault in an accident. And in the, the most basic types of cases, that type of a determination will be made by the police officer at the accident site. So there are certain types of cases where the police officer might get to the scene of the accident and find one party at fault because they hit somebody from behind. Or somebody was walking across a crosswalk and they're hit by a car. Or other cases are where you're driving down the road and somebody makes a left-hand turn in front of your vehicle and you can't stop and hit that vehicle. Or if somebody is driving down the road and the oncoming vehicle crosses over the double yellow line and hits you in your lane of traffic. So there are many types of cases where the police officer will come out and will make a determination based upon the facts as to who was at fault. Now, there are other types of cases where it might be a he said, she said type of case. So one party says the accident was caused by driver A. Driver A will say the accident was caused by driver B. So these cases have to be looked at on a a case-by-case basis. So maybe there is a security camera that's on a building that, that took a picture of what happened or there's a video of what happened. So the police officer can view that video and determine who was at fault. I have a case right now where the same type of thing happened. There were two different people involved in the accident. One party explained what happened, indicating why my client was at fault. My client indicated why the other party was at fault. And the video from one of the buildings showed why the person that hit my client was at fault. They can also, there can also be witnesses at the scene of the accident that can say, No, party A turned into party B and caused the accident. And still there are other cases where we have to hire a private investigator and the private investigator will go out and do some research or an accident reconstruction expert to determine who was at fault in the accident. Richard, let's say a person was in a car accident in Connecticut. How do they file a claim with car insurance after an accident? So one of the first things we do, and this is kind of a mantra that we have, And that is when a person is involved in an accident, 
one of the first things they should do is to contact a personal injury lawyer. And the reason is because almost immediately after the accident, the injured party is going to be contacted by the insurance adjuster representing the person that caused the accident. So the point of establishing this contact at this very early stage is to get the injured party to admit to a number of things that could reduce the value of their case. Or they would want them to state that they've had prior injuries to the same affected body parts, or that they are in some way partially responsible for the accident. So we tell people, before you speak with the insurance adjuster, it is imperative that you contact a personal injury lawyer so you can understand your rights. Otherwise, you could do something unknowingly that could significantly reduce the value of their case. And, and what I tell people, and we have on our website as well, is that every person that's involved in an accident needs to contact a personal injury lawyer. But not every person who's been involved in an accident needs to hire a personal injury lawyer. And how long after a car accident can a person make an insurance claim? The answer is it depends. So the general rule is in Connecticut, there is a two-year statute of limitations on a personal injury case involving a motor vehicle accident. Now, this is not to suggest that a person who's injured should wait one year and 11 months before contacting a lawyer because that could create very difficult challenges for that individual. There are certain types of cases where there is an investigation that might have to be conducted to determine who's at fault. There might be witnesses that have to be contacted. And as you could well imagine, the longer you wait, the more difficult it is for a witness to recollect what happened. There might be conditions at the site of the accident that will change over time. So it's best to have pictures taken and to have measurements taken and to have a number of different things done as soon as possible after the accident to preserve the evidence. The other thing is, if a person is involved in a case involving the state or municipality, then there is a much shorter notice period of time. So if you don't comply with the statutory notice, even though you sue within that two-year period of time, your case could be dismissed because you didn't first apply the, the, the notice and conform to the requirements of the Connecticut General Statutes. So the easy answer to what we're talking about is that despite what the statute of limitations might be, an injured party should immediately contact a personal injury lawyer to find out their rights to find out what they should be doing, and to find out what they should not be doing. How do you file a claim against the person who caused the accident in the state of Connecticut? So lots and lots of people think that this is a pretty straightforward and easy process. So they can, when the insurance adjuster contacts them, the insurance adjuster might say something like, I'm so sorry that our insured caused your accident. We want to know if you're okay, what's going on. You know, tell us something about the accident because we want to work together to make sure that your medical bills are paid for. We want to make sure that your lost wages are paid to you. And we want to work with you to get to the point where we can pay you for the pain and suffering that you've endured as a result of our insured causing your accident. So 
right away, an injured party is thinking, oh, my gosh, this is so easy. Of course, I don't need a lawyer because I can just deal with this very nice individual who's looking to help me <clears throat> resolve my case, get my medical bills paid for, get my lost wages paid to me, pay me for my pain and suffering, get my car repaired, get me a rent-a-car. So there's really no point in, in getting a lawyer. But as they go through this process, they might ask you questions like, you know, how fast were you going at the time of the accident? And the person says, oh, I was going probably about 30 or 35 miles an hour. And they say, well, okay, but the speed limit there was 25. And, they, and the person might say, well, I, yeah, I think it is 25. Well, so, so you were speeding then? Well, well, yeah, I guess I was speeding, but not that much. And, you know, the person, when they turned in front of you, you, you didn't hit the brakes, but you could have hit the brakes. Well, I, I guess I could have hit the brakes. The point is that the adjuster is going to want to make you downplay the fact that you didn't do certain things that you could have done, or they're going to ask you about your injuries, and, you know, you're not that badly injured. I mean, you went to the hospital, and then you left, and, you know, you don't have any broken bones, and you're not missing time from work now, and, and you might get to the person to admit certain things. So what will happen is the injured party at some point in time will become uncomfortable with what's going on they'll start to figure out that they're getting misinformation. They'll start to understand that the insurance adjuster is making promises that they're not following through with. And, and they'll get to feel a bit uneasy about the whole situation. They may feel frustrated. They might feel <laughs> aggravated. And, and in that situation, an injured party might say, you know what, I'm in over my head. I'm going to call a personal injury lawyer and get that person involved. So, at that point in time, the injured party might have caused so many challenges for the attorney that it reduces the value of the injured party's case. So, again, it's very, very important that an injured party contact a personal injury lawyer as soon as possible. Now, when they call us, they're going to get free advice. They can come into our office and sit down and talk about their case. There's no obligation to do that. There's no cost to do that. They can go on our website and get free books. They can fill out a form so we can get in touch with them. It's just very, very important that they get in touch with a personal injury lawyer as soon as possible. And one of the things we tell injured parties is that, listen, you've been injured in an accident once. Don't get injured a second time by dealing directly with the insurance company. Richard, how long does it take for the insurance company to settle a claim after a Connecticut car accident? Well, Generally speaking, it will depend upon the person's physical situation and the injuries that they sustained in the accident. So the question that's really being asked is, when is the injured party going to reach maximum medical improvement? And maximum medical improvement is that condition when the doctor says to you, you are as well as you're going to be. There's nothing more that we can do for you. Your condition or your situation has plateaued. So when that occurs, there are gen there, there's going to be a situation that occurs in one of two ways. Either you will be in the exact same medical situation you were in a second before the accident, or you will have some type of a rateable disability. And if you have a rateable disability, we will get a disability rating from the treating physician to indicate how significant or serious the injury is. So we can't attempt to do any of that until 
the injured party gets to what's, what's called maximum medical improvement because we don't know what their ultimate recovery or situation or injury status is going to be until they're discharged by the doctor. Now, there is an exception to that rule, and that is when the person that caused the accident has insignificant or insufficient limits of liability to cover the injured party for their losses and damages. And if they have no other assets for which an injured party can get recovery. So if a person causes an accident and has a 2040 policy, which is the minimum limits in Connecticut, which means that you have up to $20,000 per person and up to $40,000 for everyone involved in the accident. So if my client has 20,000, a $20,000 policy available to them and their case is worth a hundred thousand dollars, then we can attempt to settle with the tortfeasor, the responsible person's insurance company, and then go after our clients underinsured or uninsured motorist carrier. So it really is based upon how significant the injury is, how serious the damages are, and the insurance coverage involved. Richard, how can someone who has been injured in a car accident in Connecticut get in contact with you? So, you know, people learn in different ways. People assimilate information in different ways. So what we've tried to do is provide different types of people with different types of learning experiences with different ways that they can get this information. So one thing you can do is you can go on our website and we have a library of free books that an injured party can download and read in the comfort of their own home. These books tell people what to do. They tell people what not to do. They tell people how to get better medical care. They tell people how to get better quicker. They tell people how to develop their lost income claims. And there are suggestions on what the injured party can do so they can help us get them more money for their personal injury case. So the first way is to download free books. Another way is they can read articles that we have on our website. We have hundreds of articles. We have hundreds of videos that answer frequently asked questions about a person's situation that's involved in a car accident. We also have an online form. So an injured party can go onto the online form, type some information, send it into us, and then one of our accident and injury attorneys will contact them directly and schedule an appointment or answer their questions over the phone. Another way someone can get information is to call us. We have a toll-free number. They can speak to one of our personal injury lawyers, and we'll be happy to answer all of their questions over the phone. Another way is that we can sit down with them. Now, people that are seriously injured, we're happy to go to the hospital or go to a convalescent care facility or go to their home and meet with them and sit down with them and review the facts of their case and answer all of their questions so that they know what to do and what not to do. So many times someone who's been injured doesn't want to call a lawyer because they, they don't know what questions to ask or they don't really feel comfortable in engaging this type of a relationship. But what we want people to know is they don't know they don't need to know what questions to ask because we will go over the facts of the case with the injured party. We'll tell them what they should be doing and what they shouldn't be doing. We'll, we'll give them a roadmap on how they get from where they are currently to where they need to go at the conclusion of this case. 
So the other thing is that people are sometimes reluctant to contact a personal injury lawyer because they think, you know what, I, I don't have any money. I, I can't afford to hire a personal injury lawyer. But people should understand that most personal injury lawyers and our firm take these cases on a contingency fee basis, which means that we don't get paid a fee unless and until we recover money for the injured party. The other thing we do is we advance the cost to develop their case. So if there are records that we have to get, if there are reports that we have to get, if we have to put the case into suit, there's a court entry fee, there's a marshal's fee, there are deposition fees, there are expert witness fees. Whatever those costs and fees are, we advance them. And again, those costs and fees are only paid if we collect money damages for the injured party. If there is no recovery, then the injured party pays no costs and no fees. So we want people to know that we are going to take all of the financial risk so they don't have to worry about anything other than getting better as quickly as possible. So we represent people throughout the state of Connecticut that have been injured. Now, the other thing that we do is we have contacts with some of the best lawyers throughout the country. So at times we're contacted by a client or a family member or a friend who will say, my cousin's been involved in an accident in Florida. Can you assist us? Or my brother lives out in Washington state and has been involved in a car accident. Can you help us? And the answer is yes, we can. So we know what lawyers to contact. We know what questions to ask of the injured relative or friend in a different state. And, and we can shepherd them through that whole process because what happens in most cases is that when you're involved in an accident, your whole world is turned upside down. So you could well imagine if you're, if you're hospitalized, if you break a bone, if you're out of work for an extended period of time, if you're experiencing a great deal of pain, if you're suffering, if you don't have income, if you have mounting medical bills, if you can't sleep at night, it is a very, very, very anxiety-filled situation. And you just don't know what to do. So what we do is we take people who have been injured and we say, listen, we are going to show you what you need to do. We're going to, to get you to the point where you're going to get better and we'll take care of everything in the meantime. All you have to do is go to your doctors, follow through with your doctors and get better as quickly as possible. So we help people put their lives back together and we empower them in the meantime by giving them free advice, free information, so they can make an intelligent decision as to how they would like to handle their own personal injury case. And it's, it's a great thing that we do. It provides us with a great sense of satisfaction because literally we're able to help people put their lives back together. And, and there's no greater thing, in my opinion, that we can do than to help people in their time of need.